Thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a collaboration hub that lets you organize your team's work into channels where everyone is included, relevant information is in one place, and new team members can easily get up to speed. Learn more at slack.com. It's Wednesday, April 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analyst Matt Argersinger and David Kretzman. Guys, welcome. Hey, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Guys, how you feeling? Feeling good. Better than Zuck today. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Better than yeah. Zuck. Well, you know, we're going to talk some Zuck. Day two of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's appearance before Congress. Now, guys, yesterday's testimony seemed to get pretty good reviews so far. Yeah, stock was up four percent or so. Yeah, four percent. So that was the best I think day for Facebook shares in two years. So yesterday, guys, Zuckerberg accepted responsibility for Facebook's privacy breach, saying the company made a quote big mistake. End quote. He also went on to say that the company should have taken a quote broader view of its responsibilities. And another thing he mentioned as part of his testimony, guys, is that Facebook, at least he suggested that Facebook may be considering a paid version. He said they'd always have a free version, but they could have a paid version. David Kretzman, what's your review so far of Mr. Zuckerberg going to Washington? Well, first, <laughs> on a high-level uh, you know, look at this whole uh, testimony, it's hard for me to take a lot of these senators and their questions seriously. They've really been uh, lecturing Zuckerberg and Facebook on the importance of privacy and user data and containing that data, which is important. But on the other hand, these are the same senators who, several years ago, they called Edward Snowden a traitor for exposing mass government surveillance programs on Facebook and Google and other platforms like Apple. Uh, and, and these are also literally the same senators who just several months ago voted to expand the NSA's mass surveillance uh, programs. So, for them to be lecturing Facebook and Zuckerberg on privacy, to me, seems a bit of a double standard, pretty hip, uh, hypocritical, shocking, I know, for politicians. <laughs> but beyond that, I think Zuckerberg has done a good job. He's done what he needed to do. He's for the most part, answered the questions clearly, calmly. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, have looked at that clip of him eight years ago when he was interviewed by Kara Swiss. Kara Swisher and uh, Walt Mossberg uh, at Recode, where he was sweating bullets, he was clearly nervous and uncomfortable, but he's clearly gone through a lot of coaching, uh, done a much better job, and I think the, the stock's performance, in, in light of Zuckerberg's performance, shows that he's uh, done a good job. Yeah, I sure, I sure what David said. I think uh, Zuckerberg was much more prepared than the senators were. I think that's clear. I mean, he was maybe <laughs> overprepared. Uh, and you know, there's the reason I think Facebook stock was up, and and it's something I felt not just yesterday, but even the whole the whole way through, is that I don't think there's going to be any significant effect, especially in the near term, on Facebook's business. I don't think there were any pointed questions in the direction of the, its ad business. In fact, many senators clearly demonstrated they really didn't even know how Facebook made money in the first place. Uh, and so, that to me is, is, as an investor, you walk away and say, okay, well, Facebook's business, you know, with, with Alphabet controlling some 90% of the digital advertising market, that's not changing anytime soon. There's no, you know, there was some mention of, well, are you a monopoly? Do you think you're a monopoly? And I think his answer was, I don't think I am. And he said, know, I don't feel like it. Doesn't, it doesn't feel, feel like, like that. Like and he, I made like some, that. he made some kind of, you know, excuses saying, well, people have more apps. Well, that's not genuine because there's not really an alternative to Facebook. The alternative to Facebook is Instagram, which Facebook owns. But that all aside, I don't think there's any going to be any impact 
really to the business model of Facebook. I think advertisers are still going to be targeting ads. I think uh, you know users are still going to be using Facebook. Uh, I think the, the delete Facebook campaign, or if you want to call it that, is not going to gain a lot of traction. Not a lot is going to change in the near term. So I want to ask you more about that because, as I mentioned um, in the read, he did suggest that there could be a paid version. He said there will always be a free version, but there could be a paid, a premium version of Facebook. What does that look like if 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 that's going to work? Is that going to have to be an Amazon Prime where I'm getting something that I'm not currently getting with Facebook? Because to me, it doesn't feel like you can just say, hey, if you really want to feel safe, pay us, and then we'll lock up all your data. I'm like, you should have been doing that to begin with. You've got to give me something else. Yeah, I think it would probably be similar to YouTube Red, where you pay a monthly subscription and you don't get ads on on the content. Uh, so in the case of Facebook, you'd pay maybe you know five dollars a month. You wouldn't see any advertisements as you scroll through the feed. So your data would essentially be locked up, contained. It wouldn't be accessible to advertisers. Maybe you throw in a few other exclusives with content or other features. But for the most part, I think it would just be an ad-free version of Facebook. I don't think Facebook's. It, it's not really. Uh, Consistent with Facebook's model to to have all these exclusive perks in a paid version, they they want the platform to be accessible and open and available uh, to everyone. So I, I would be surprised if they they end up going the paid route. I, I agree because I think I think most I think if you ask most Facebook users, I think they're concerned about what happened in with Cambridge Analytica and their user data being you know um, taken and used for nefarious reasons potentially. But I think most I think if you ask most users, they're okay with the trade off. They're okay with all the services. The network that Facebook provides, um, the the relationships, the community, and I think they're okay with giving up a little bit of their privacy and allowing Facebook to track them in various ways on the platform. Now, some of the ways that Facebook also tracks you, you know, maybe when you're offline and things you're doing on your phone outside of the platform, that kind of stuff maybe needs to be reined in a little bit. I mean, and granted, I know we know Apple does that. They say they, you know, they don't really do it, but they do. I mean, <laughs> Alphabet. I mean, allegedly. Dave, you've been on, you've been on, you've been on Twitter, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Google Alphabet, in ways, is is a more powerful way of tracking people than than Facebook is, because you do so many more things. I think using Alphabet's platform. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, Facebook and you know WhatsApp and Instagram and Messenger. Those are literally just apps. You know, or or a website. Google has the operating system with Android. They have the web browser with Chrome. They have the the search engine. They have YouTube. They have Google Maps. Google tracks so much more user data. And some might say that well, the the info that you share, the data that you share, or the content you share on Facebook might be a little bit more intimate or personal. But I would argue that if you find someone's search history, browser history, video history, where they've been with Google Maps, that you're going to learn a lot more about that person what they share on Facebook. So I think Google. Probably has more to lose if they do have some sort of breach, uh, because I think a lot of the questions that have been directed to Facebook, you take a step back and you realize this is an app that you can easily uninstall. You know, your life isn't going to be significantly worse if you're not on Facebook. Google, on the other hand, they they have they're they're entrenched in so many different areas of people's lives. Even if you're an Apple user, you're probably still using Google Search or Google Maps. So I think Google has more to lose if uh, Congress. Takes a more uh, scrutinous look at them, similar to what they've done to Facebook lately. Now there was one. I, I did have one takeaway from the hearing that was interesting that I think might come back to haunt Facebook down the road. And, and it was a question. I think it was, if I have this right, Senator John Cornyn from Texas. Uh, he asked, uh, you know, is 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 Facebook responsible for the content on its platform? Yeah. And Zuckerberg was pretty quick to say yes. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought I was I was like, that's interesting because, uh, you know. 
if you ask me, like what Congress, I think what Congress cares about is not necessarily how much money or how Facebook makes its money. It's really concerned about the influence that the platform can have. And I think there's always been this tension, and there will always be this tension between free speech right. and hate speech and you know uh, what is considered news and opinion versus yep. fake news and lies and things like that. And I think Facebook's become, we've seen Facebook's been truly hugely influential in that. And so Facebook's admission that from Zuckerberg that they, they're responsible for that content makes me think, well, hey, you know what? Then, then you're also maybe a publisher, and you're 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 not just an advertiser, or you're not just you know a, a, a consolidator of free content. You're actually using and selling that content potentially, and so that opens you up to a lot more scrutiny in terms of libel and being sued, and and where how information is used for very, you know nefarious reasons. That to me was a little bit of an added risk. I feel like now if I read maybe Facebook's 10K next year, there's gonna be a whole new section about, well, you know, here's what here's our content risk factors. That like was that. A, that was a fascinating exchange. This idea yeah. with with Cornine uh, is is Facebook ultimately is it a is it an agnostic tech platform, right? Or is it a media company? Yeah, with mm-hmm. a somewhat distinct point of view. And if it's a media company, to your point, Matt, it opens itself up. To yeah. all sorts of new regulation, right? And and, and it yeah. seems kind of like this hybrid. It's 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 kind of a bit of both. I mean, you don't have people writing for Facebook per se, yeah. Um, but it also has influence on, you know, the political scene. And, and Zuckerberg's talked about this before, but you know, hire, they're hiring up to something around. They want to have twenty thousand people kind of all going along the platform for security reasons. And when is when is it going to be the point where they restrict someone, some users, or some media things content and and says, well, hey, that you're you're restricting our free speech. Mm-hmm. Are you doing this because hey, maybe we're we're a conservative news outfit or or we're a liberal news outfit, and you're and you think our speech is extreme, even though it's not? It's just you, you get into a very muddy waters when you start doing that. And, and that also really boils over to YouTube as well, because YouTube's gone through similar issues where you have certain content creators basically saying, hey, you're uh, essentially censoring our videos, or the algorithm isn't. Uh, you know, pushing our videos like like it is with you know uh, other content creators, or we're not able to monetize our videos. You're not letting us show ads on our videos. So this question of are you a tech platform or are you a media company with the accompanying responsibilities? That's something that Facebook is sort of addressing in a weird, blurry, gray area way. But that's also something that YouTube and Google will probably have to address. So as we wrap this up, let's talk about um, we've talked about Google and and YouTube um, throughout this conversation. If, 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 and this is a big if, but if a substantial number of people say, you know what, I don't quite trust Facebook the way I used to, and I'm leaving, and I'm not going to Instagram, okay? So I'm not going to another Facebook property. Is there another company that stands to benefit? Or do you just look at this as, you know, Facebook's loss is really no one's gain? No, Twitter. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, that, and, you know, there is. To Facebook's credit, for you know, in terms of if you're if you're American and you're looking for a social you know social networking in Europe too, I mean, it's there really is no Pepsi right now to Facebook's Coke because because the power of a social network is the network. It's the network effect. It's the size of the network. It's where all my friends are, the things that I care about, the things I like to do. It's all there. 
the seeking that out, and people are going to seek that out. But where do they seek that out if they don't go to Facebook? I, I don't use Facebook, you know, and I just because I haven't from the beginning. But if you've used Facebook for years, and your entire history and all your family and friends and relationships are all on there, I, it's it, to me it's hard to see where someone's going to go. Yeah, it, it demonstrates the power of the network effect because really, unless your whole group of friends are all leaving Facebook and adopting the same other platform. You really don't have a whole lot to gain by leaving Facebook and joining another platform like Snap, uh, which, you know, Snap just has a completely different use case and you know tends to target a younger audience. And real quick before we wrap up, something else that's really been interesting through this whole debacle uh, is you know Facebook's comments on, you know, we actually welcome some regulation here. And I thought there was an there was an interesting and actually a smart exchange yesterday, where one of the senators was saying. Well, the the fact that you're asking for regulation, you know, regulation could actually help Facebook by limiting the the access of upstarts or smaller companies to Facebook's data, or potentially make it a lot more expensive to be legally compliant as far as privacy standards and things like that. So that brings up the question: Okay, if there are legal next steps, and you know, uh, what, what regulations could actually be put in that? Hurt Facebook and help other competitors. I don't know if you could actually get to that point because Facebook has plenty of cash. They can easily adopt any regulatory standards that come up, like the, like recently uh, in the EU. So then, you know, perhaps we'll see uh, uh, more people call for Facebook to be broken up, split up Facebook, split up Instagram. I think that's a, a far. If I think that's actually more solving what people want to be solved more than uh, regulation would would do. And I'll just add one one final takeaway as well. I you know, and I feel like maybe I'm bearing the lead here or something, but I I do think we're probably on a three maybe four year clock on Zuckerberg's time at CEO as CEO of Facebook. I just think looking at him and you know, and I, he did great. I think for the most part in front of in facing Congress, but I don't think this is a job he likes. Really I don't think though, I think it's his mission. I think he's uh, gonna. I think he's a lifer. I'm gonna take the other side of that. Oh yeah. Well, I, I just I just think it's 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 not his personality. I don't think he wants to be a public face of anything really, let alone this massive hundred multi hundred billion dollar company that he's created. I think he'd be more comfortable stepping back in a chairman role, the same way as Bill Gates did. You know, in his 40s, you know, he said, yeah. you know, I'm. I'm going to step back, take a more broad, creative view of the company, maybe focus a little more on philanthropy and things like that, and let Sheryl Sandberg or someone else take the CEO's job. I, I just get that feeling, and I think that's more that's closer than we might think it is. Okay, guys. Well, before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a collaboration hub that lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. Guys, we use Slack every day around here. Oh, yeah. We use it to prep for this show. We did. We use it for special events. We use it for just back and forth day to day communication. I take notes in Slack. Do you have that move? Take the notes, archive things, I oh. use emojis. It's great. It's so great. <laughs> it really allows you to reduce your email. You don't have to spend all this time trying to find that one email. You can also easily organize your team with real time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, all that good stuff. It makes you more productive. I mean, who doesn't want to be more productive? It's easy, it's convenient. Oh, yeah. There's the app, so it works everywhere. Do you have Slack on your phone? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. No doubt. It's great. I got up this morning. I'm like, what are we going to talk about? I think we're going to talk some Zuck. And, you know, I can I can use my Slack app to do it all. I can use Slack. It's great. So, Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. Okay, guys, and as we wrap up here, I want to kind of pivot to a broader discussion about these so-called fang stocks, Facebook, 
Amazon, Apple, um, Netflix, Google, slash Alphabet. Now, we've obviously talked a lot about Facebook. I want to get your thoughts. When you look at these other stocks, who do you think's best positioned over the next, let's say, five years? And who do you think could have Facebook-type problems, be it with privacy, be it with regulators, and the like? I think Netflix is probably best positioned over the next five years. Because when you historically, when you look at, say, the five or ten biggest companies in the US, they actually don't have that great of a track record. So, you know, if you go back to 1995, the five biggest companies, General Electric, AT&T, ExxonMobil, Coca-Cola, and Merck, Ooh. none of those are in the top five anymore, obviously. Now, you could argue that having, you know, a tech or internet-based platform that allows you to scale a lot more efficiently, you have network effects. So, maybe more of the thing is here to stay and they'll continue to be the dominant companies 5 and 10 years from now. But just looking at the historical press you probably wouldn't bet on those companies. Usually, there are some newcomers uh, that do end up becoming large. So, Netflix has that advantage, about a $130 billion company. Uh, still in the early innings as far as the international expansion. They have well over 100 million uh, global subscribers now, but I think over the next five years, that'll hit 200 and 300 million. And even then, uh, more people around the world are getting access to, to broadband, more people want content. So. With Netflix, you have a growing addressable market. The growth story is still in those early stages, and I don't think they have near the level of regulatory scrutiny that the the other four Fang stocks have. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I think Netflix would be if you're if you're saying which is going to face the least amount of scrutiny, it's certainly Netflix because they're just their 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 business is about entertaining people, and people are comfortable with the platform. It's not this it's not this company that has so many tentacles in all these other places. Um, I I still think me personally, I just think Amazon has so much upside to go. I know it, it draws the ire of our dear president, who doesn't, you know, for various reasons we don't have to get into. Uh, but I, you know, I, I just think you know, you look at the percentage of their retail sales in the United States. It's still it's about four percent. It's like a third of what Walmart has, and just the 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 things that Amazon is doing with Prime and you know digital streaming and Amazon Web Services, um, you know it's it, it's it's easily going to be a much much larger company if it's allowed to be a much larger company, uh -huh. and that's the rub. I mean that is the rub, and I think David's point is great about you know if you go back in history and generally if you look at any given era, the five largest companies, you didn't do well as an investor and in really investing in, in those five, you're better off looking at smaller companies. And if you look at the Fang stocks, I mean this is incredible. So if you look at five, over the past five years, the average return for the Fang stocks is five hundred percent. If you go back just insane. if you go back just three years when I think the, the the term was kind of coined, Fang stocks. They're up 200 percent. So even after they became a thing, if you yeah. bought them, you're up 200 percent in three years. I mean, it's just remarkable. And yeah, you you have to, as an investor, you have to look back and say, can this possibly continue? Especially now with finally regulations sort of you know trying to catch up a little bit to these platforms, and you know people being more educated about just how much influence they could have, they have and could have in the future. I, I think there's there's a lot of risk to. Buying these companies today. So, but it sounds like your team, Amazon, if I, push comes to shove, I am team Amazon. Okay, all now, the way. now, David, I I, I want to push back a bit on Netflix, and and then we'll get back to Amazon here. But <laughs> so, I noticed that you you did not mention there's a, there's an upstart um, by the name of Disney that is starting to get oh, into streaming right. more. Small feisty company. Small yep. feisty, <laughs> scrappy, slightly. Yes. Yeah. There, there's this mouse that you may have seen. The hidden gem. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's right. So so does that? How does that figure into your long term thinking about Netflix? I don't think it's a zero sum 
or winner take all game. Already you have people who subscribe to Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Amazon. So I don't think there's necessarily going to be one go to uh, content creator. But in the case of Netflix, I think they do have a powerful first mover advantage. They have a data advantage. They've been doing uh, online streaming for over 10 years now. So they have so much data as far as user consumption, viewing habits, what types of content people like at certain times of the day, certain parts of the world. I think it's going to take time for Disney to catch up. I think Disney will do well, but I don't see Disney being a Netflix killer or a Netflix displacement. I think, if anything, it'll be complimentary. Okay, so there's room for both. Matt, I want to ask my tough question about Amazon. You mentioned earlier that you thought Zuckerberg, in terms of the CEO position, may not be long for this world with Facebook. If Jeff Bezos leaves the CEO position in the next like five years, does that change your thinking on Amazon? In, in five, if you left in five years, well, I don't think he'll ever leave. But if you, you know, if you gave up that role and went back into something else in five years, I wouldn't be too worried. If he left today, I'd be He's absolutely. He's a big space worried. guy. What if he says, he you know what? Long. I'm going to take my money and I'm, I'm going to Mars. I, I, I don't know. I just think when I, for some reason, I feel I see Jeff Bezos in the CEO spot until he's 80. With Amazon, I don't know why. I just don't see that with Zuckerberg the same way, or in a lot of companies. But I think Jeff Bezos is just—I mean, the guy started this company in a small room as an online bookseller, and he and he had the same, you know, vision 25 years ago as he has still today. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't think he's ever going to let go. And and to answer, I think you had a second part of that question along the lines of which which of those. Fang stocks has the most downside or the most to lose from a regulatory standpoint. I already mentioned it at the top of the show, but I think Google has already demonstrated that it is in the you know um, in, in the sniper line of fire so far. Uh, already that two point seven billion dollar fine from the EU about a year ago, and I think Google would have a lot harder time answering the questions that uh, the senators uh, and Congress people have been throwing at Zuckerberg and Facebook if Google ever did get to that point where you know you bring the CEO, you bring the the, the chairman there. I think they have a lot harder um, uh, time answering those questions about privacy and just user data. Well, we will keep an eye on it. Matt and David, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Matt. Matt. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.